Tonight, on Tolkien Mysteries, we explore the cryptic, we explore the puzzling, we explore the strange, the baffling, the enigmatic, the inexplicable. Many aspects of the Tolkien Legendarium remain unknown to this very day. Join us tonight as we examine three mystifying stories of characters that have gone missing. This is Tolkien Mysteries. There are few events in the Legendarium more tragic than the three kinslayings. During the First Age, elves have slain one another in great numbers on three separate occasions. During the second kinslaying, Doriath is attacked by the sons of Feanor. King Dior, heir of Thingol, is slain in the battle. But what of his children? Tonight we ask, what happened to the sons of Dior? Where did they go? Did they survive? Or did they perish in the wilderness? The fate of the Sons of Dior is now, and may forever remain, a Tolkien mystery. And later, it is known that the story of the Silmarils is rife with bloodshed and despair. Madros and Maglor, the eldest Sons of Feanor, are the only two to survive the War of Wrath. The Valar seized the Silmarils from Morgoth, but in the end, they ended in the hands of Madros and Maglor. We know Madros came to a fiery end, but where is Maglor? Does the only remaining son of Feanor still live to this day? Could he still be out there? We may never know. This and other things are now, and may forever remain, a token mystery. And finally... In the Third Age, the Valar did not openly move against Sauron. But they were not idle. The Valar sent the five Istari to Middle-earth. The fates of the Grey, the Brown, and the White are ultimately known. But what of the blue? Where are the two blue wizards? Why did they never return? Did they survive the Third Age? This and other things may forever remain a Tolkien mystery. Join us for all this and more on tonight's episode of Tolkien Mysteries. Hey, hey, hey there. I'm Danny J. And I'm Joel N. I'm Trevor D. And we are... Keep, Keep on Tolkien! Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's it going, you guys? How's it going? What's up? Welcome back for episode 94. Yes. And we've got a very special episode for you guys today. Yeah, since y'all loved it so much, because we loved it too, it's uh, Tolkien Mysteries 2. 
looking at you. Look at that, all that rhymed. Holy shit. <laughs> You're a professional. Wow. So Tolkien Mysteries 2 today, and we've got this one, specifically the Missing Persons Edition. Ooh. Remember that show Missing? Do you remember that like show? That was Absolutely, on yeah. Late at night, and it would just be like this person, then it would go, Missing. That was, wow. Great, great early 2000s television. You can tell I didn't sleep at night, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Well, today we'll be covering three Tolkien mysteries dealing with the unexplained disappearance of characters. Yes. And we will also have... What, Trevor? What are we having? Bits? Yeah. Bits, bits, bits. Bits, bits, bits. Yes, yes, yes. So we got a lot of bits coming at you, uh, coming your way. But we've also got info and excerpts, just like you're used to. And then uh, some of our own theories and, uh, you know, other fun ones we've heard along the way. Yeah, some you might be familiar with, maybe some not. Yeah. But either way. Let's get right down into it, you guys. Let's do it. Oh, this is so much fun. We had so much fun with the last episode, we had to do another one. Yes, we had to do another one, and we want to do these until all three of us are dead. <laughs> <laughs> till we can't speak any longer. <laughs> yeah, until we can no longer draw breath. All right, friends. Well, let's get into them. Yeah. Roll that first mystery, row, row. It was a dark and stormy night when a messenger came out of Assyriand to the caves of Menegroth. There sat Dior, king of Doriath, upon his throne. The messenger bore a strong box. Dior opened it and looked inside. He beheld the Nauglamir, set with the most beautiful and treacherous jewel ever crafted by hand, a Silmaril. Dior knew that this was a token that his parents, Baron and Luthien, were finally dead at last. Dior kept the jewel in Doriath, and it was not long before word came to the sons of Feanor. They are bound to their terrible oath to reclaim the Silmarils by any means necessary. They prepare for an assault on Doriath. They will kill all who stand in their way. In 506 of the First Age, the sons of Feanor attack Menegroth, and their elf slew elf in the second kinslaying. The sons of Feanor ravage the city. Many are killed, and eventually, Dior and his wife Nimloth were slain. Dior managed to kill Caligorm in single combat. Urufin and Caranthir, too, were slain. The daughter of Dior escaped with the Silmaril and made it to the havens of Syrian, where it was safe for now. Dior's two young sons, Elured and Elurin, are found by the followers of Keligorm and captured. Embittered by the escape of the Silmaril and the death of their master, the followers of Keligorm abandoned the six-year-old twins in the forest, left there to die. Maedros later regretted this decision and was consumed by guilt. He sought for them far and wide. The brothers were nowhere to be found. 
And so they pass into legend. But what happened to the sons of Dior? Did they survive being abandoned in the woods at such a young age? If they did survive, will we ever hear from them again? Will they perhaps one day emerge from the shadows to claim their place as Thingol's heir? We may never know. The whereabouts and ultimate fate of the brothers will, for now, remain a Tolkien mystery. Wow, that was a heck of a lot of fun, guys. Mystery number one. Chills, right? Chills. So for the first one, you may have grasped we're talking about Elred and Elrin. Yeah, and where the fuck are they? This is is the the where the fuck are they edition (laughs) of uh, where in the world is fucking Elred and Elrin. So just to kind of cover what we're talking about here. So Elred and Elrin are the sons of Dior and Dior was the only son of Baron and Luthien. As you may remember. As you may remember. And Dior reclaimed Doriath after Doriath's original sacking. Yeah, there was that whole thing where the dwarves, like, uh, your your precious dwarves, like, uh, fucked up. My people. They, my slew, people. they slew Thingol for his insult and then uh, sacked haughty the words. city of Doriath. Yeah. The Sindar are super happy to have a leader again. And, yeah. uh, and so they set off to renew the kingdom of Doriath. And everything is cool for a little while. Yeah, for a little while. We have an excerpt from the Quinta Silmarillion, chapter 22 of The Ruin of Doriath, read by Danny. Now Dior, Thingol's heir, bade farewell to Baron and Luthien, and departing from Lanthier Lamoth with Nimloth, his wife, he came to Menegroth and abode there, and with him went their young sons, Elurid and Elurin, and Elwing, their daughter. Then the Sindar received them with joy, and they arose from the darkness of their grief for fallen kin and king, and for the departure of Melian. Dior Eluchil set himself to raise anew the glory of the kingdom of Doriath. Eventually, Dior inherited the Nauglamir, which is a fun word, by the way. Nauglamir, what does that mean? Do you remember, guys? Necklace of the Dwarves. Yeah, Necklace of the Dwarves. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, uh, na- technically, Necklace of the Naugrim. Of the Naugrim. Of the it's Naugrim. actually a slur, remember? Yeah. The Naugrim is technically a, a slur that the elves invented, which means uh, uh, the stunted people. Mm-hmm. So what, dwarves owned it with the Nauglamir? Uh, no, so. the elves call it the Nauglamir. Oh, that's oh. right. The elves are the ones that named that. Yeah. Man, that's rude. Yeah. Elves are rude. Yeah, elves are fucking rude. That's why up. the dwarves killed them for this insult. That's fair. Well, this <laughs> this uh, this Nauglamir, actually, it also contains one of the Silmarils. So it's, I mean, I guess worth it. Yeah. It does have that sweet, sweet Silmaril embedded inside of it. We have an excerpt from that same chapter, Quintus Silmarillion 22, of The Ruin of Doriath. Long did Dior gaze upon the Silmaril, which his father and mother had brought beyond hope out of the terror of Morgoth, and his grief was great that death had come upon them so soon. But the wise have said that the Silmaril hastened their end, for the flame of the beauty of Luthien as she wore it was too bright for mortal lands. Then Dior arose, and about his neck he clasped the Nauglamir, and now he appeared as the fairest of all the children of the world, of threefold race, of the Edain, and of the Eldar, and of the Maiar of the Blessed Realm. Damn, that's really cool. 
I love that excerpt. Super awesome. The threefold race. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. He, I think race. he's the only one that's threefold like that. Um, with the Maiar. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there's other half elvens, but I don't know that any of them got that Maiar. Got that Maiar in there. So he's yeah. a pretty cool character. Anyway, his sons, Elored and Elorin. They live peacefully with their sister and parents in Menegroth until the dreaded oath of Feanor descends on Doriath. And Dior, essentially, he refuses to yield the Silmaril he has to the sons of Feanor. Yeah, they send a, they send a group of people that are like, hey, hand over the Silmaril or we're going to fuck you up. Because that's what we have to do. It's not our, you know, we... <laughs> like, we don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. We have to fuck you up. It's it's, it's their doom. Yeah. It's I'm the, yeah. sorry. Yeah. It's their doom. Yeah, you want to see how people can be bound by oaths? Go back to our doom trilogy. Yeah, oaths. Check out the oaths episode. Yeah, that, that was... That really lays it out for you. Yeah, that was a f- super fucking cool episode. I, I really like that doom trilogy. It was great. And in that doom trilogy, you will learn that the sons of Feanor sacked Menegroth in 506 First Stage. Which yes. was the second sacking of Doriath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which was, I think, two or three years after the first sacking. Which not is, too long. No. Not too long after the dwarves. No. So Dior's sons, Elorid and Elorin, are kidnapped during the sacking, and they're left to die out alone in the forest. Yeah, super cool. Super sad. It's the Keligorm's followers, too, which mm. uh, Keligorm is, in my opinion, the biggest dick of the group of dicks that is the Seven Sons of Feanor. Yeah, I think I'd have to. Kelgorm and Kurfin are both pretty fucking awful. Kelgorm yeah. probably more so. Yeah, fuck them. Well, uh, good thing they both fucking die in this battle, so that's that's fucking nice. Right, but their older brother, Maedros, however, he regretted this decision, and he goes out, and he looks for the two young boys, but the boys are never found. It's presumed that they perished in the forest, but it is not ultimately known. Yeah, and who knows, right? And we have a another excerpt here from chapter 22 of the Silmarillion. Of the Ruin of Doriath, read by Trevor. There fell Kelegorm by Dior's hand, and there fell Kurufin, and dark Caranthir. But Dior was slain also, and Nimloth his wife, and the cruel servants of Kelegorm seized his sons and left them to starve in the forest. Of this Maedros indeed repented, and sought for them long in the woods of Doriath, but his search was unavailing, and the fate of Elured and Elorin tell no tales it's a sad it's a sad story yeah no tales told damn yeah they literally just like erased from history like see yeah ya, see ya they just fucked off nobody, out of nobody history. knows yeah. <laughs> but there are some theories of what could have happened to them yeah let's get into a few of those some more silly than others uh let's get into the wholesome one first so it is a uh, is held among the tradition of the nandor of assyrian if you need to know who nandor are go back to sundering of the elves episode so, uh season one mm-hmm. classic kot gold yeah the nandor are essentially some sylvan elves but yeah they're 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 wood elves of a of a sort uh but these ones are living in assyrian they they said that elred and elrin were led to safety by woodland birds beasts and also plants i read um all of them helped uh, guide them in uh in down into Assyria, right where they uh were where they originally lived with their grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very like Disney princess, very like Snow White or Sleeping Beauty or you know. Yeah, sick. <laughs> the is, birds and the animals little saved them. Mm-hmm. Is that a is that a canon 
theory? No. Uh, no? That okay. theory is well, mentioned in the text, but it's, I don't know that it's necessary. No, they never confirm it. They're like, this, these group of elves believe that this happened, but it is ultimately unknown. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. That's cool. I mean, it's nice to have a, a maybe, a but, maybe. but yeah. that's the only maybe we got. Well, let's, <laughs> let's get into this. Let's get into some KOT original theories. Yeah. So a couple theories I had, uh, really the two possibilities that came to my mind that I was most curious about were, they were essentially lost at the end of the first stage, right? So my theory is what if they were lost during the sinking of Beleriand? Yeah, I get, uh, mine, uh, one of my theories kind of uh, has this as a consequence as well. And then another theory I had was what about Tom Bombadil, he's somebody who lives in the woods and the forests and the wildlands, and he's been in Middle-earth longer than anybody. Erwin Ben-Adar, eldest and fatherless. Eldest and fatherless. What if he came around and saved them kind of like like he did to the hobbits in the old forest you know why why the fuck not joel you think maybe could bombadil, well could bombadil go to valinor i don't know I, I, he's not really of their race that i know of who knows like because i'm that, thinking that if, too is a tolkien what if, mystery what if, what if, that <laughs> is <laughs> what if they what if he found them and then just took him over to valinor and that's why we don't know anything well, that'd be pretty nice of him. Be because, nice of him. because they were innocent right we so kind of like, know we kind of know bombadil doesn't give a shit about valinor or anybody over there but maybe he's being, maybe he's being <laughs> yeah, nice yeah maybe he's just like yeah fuck it, I'll, I'll, I'll take you guys home i'll right? go i'll go out of my way today this is my good deed for the day I'd say Bombadil is, what would you say, chaotic good or... Chaotic good, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So here's a few theories that I have. And um, one of them uh, goes along with Joel's. Um, the first one is the feral children scenario. <laughs> I, I didn't want to... So I saw these written down. <laughs> and I really wanted to ask you about them, especially when I saw the feral child scenario. Yeah. So... But, <laughs> Tell me, tell me about them. So they essentially, out of need, they become feral elf children in the woods of Doriath, you know, in the ruins of the old Doriath kingdom, right? Okay. And uh, they live there for years and years and years. Uh, they don't even remember how to speak or anything of the sort at this juncture. I guess they're only six. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like you said, huge wave. Sinking of Valinor, dude. They didn't even know what was going on. Because sinking of Balerion. Because they were just eating grubs underneath um, logs in the forest, you know. <laughs> okay. So none of my, so I'm just gonna preface that none of mine are um, wholesome or cheery. Uh, none of my theories. So the second one is that <laughs> the captured by Morgoth scenario, and that is that they were simply captured by any of Morgoth's cronies. Brought into a- brought to Angband, and uh, you know who knows what. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, Sauron's I- still around, so even if Morgoth is gone at this point, but yeah, and there's a, I'm sure there's a, a few of them Balrogs, maybe. Oh yeah, sticking around. Oh yeah, I don't know. Yeah, captured by Morgoth's uh, leftover cronies, you know. I know Morgoth is like still in full force at this point. I guess. Is this he is, still? Yeah. Oh, this yeah, because right this is full of Doriath. Yeah, so he's oh, like yeah. still. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, you're yeah. right. You're right. He's still up there. He technically has nothing to do with this this tragedy, which is funny. But I could totally see him getting involved. This is something he. Yeah. Feels, sounds like he feel. I feel like he would revel in this kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, Morgoth captures him. Does God knows what to him? That's my theory, right? And the third theory is just um, the more logical one. Um, that if you leave two six-year-olds in the woods by themselves, they will be eaten by wolves or other animals. I think they were eaten like, by wolves. Like squirrels or something? I mean, if the situation is right, you know? Maybe. I mean, how know? big are the squirrels in Middle-earth? Maybe there's some, like, 
dire squirrels or some <laughs> yeah. shit. Dire squirrels? I don't know. Yeah. The dire squirrels of the southern wilds of Middle Earth. I mean, you know, I think squirrels usually eat like nuts and things like that. <laughs> well, these are carnivorous. Yeah, not like elf flesh. <laughs> I don't think they're, that's like their their main thing. But if they had a taste for elf flesh, they're, why not? They're squirrels twisted by Margoth. Okay. There you go. There you go. So were the Ents around oh, yes. in Beleriand in this area? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Ents actually helped Dior and, uh, and Baron fight in a battle at one point. Hell yeah. So what if they were saved by the Ents? Why I not? I I don't, they were in the area, and they did help them before, right? They they did know Dior. I think that's a that's yeah. And would they? Would Actually, the Ents, that's solid. That's that's solid, that's solid Tolkien. Could, could the Ents survive the trip over the ocean? You think? You think the Ents brought them to Valinor? Well, not to Valinor, say, but you know, maybe they did get brought to Middle Earth. Oh yeah, after the, the Ents, sinking of Beleriand. Uh, yeah, the Ents make their way into Middle Earth after the sinking of Beleriand. Yeah, so yeah. absolutely. So that's the answer reason. Yes. Yeah. That's actually a really solid theory. That's, I never thought about the Ents getting involved. I never involved. thought of that. Because they, they, they already did, like they you did. said. Yeah. yeah they, they did. They know Dior, so they probably know of Dior's son. That's, yeah, at the Battle of uh, River Askar, right, I believe? When the um, when the Leila Quendi and uh, Baron and Dior are trying to... Uh, attack the dwarves. Attack the dwarves that just stole all the shit from Doriath. That just sacked Doriath, mm-hmm. yeah. That's called the Golden Bed or whatever now, yeah. where all they, they just left the treasure there. Yeah, Rothlorian, I believe. Mm, yeah, there we go. Look at that. That's, all that. That is some Tolkieneering, my friends. Way to go, Trevor. Thank you. I love theory crafting. Theory crafting is so <laughs> much fun. Tolkieneering all the way. Trevor, I think you're about to get your uh, your associate's degree in Tolkieneering. <laughs> Tolkieneering. <laughs> All right, I think that's pretty much all we got for that first mystery, guys. That was really fun. Where the fuck are they? Let us know what you think. Uh, join the Discord. Tell us about it in the yeah. episode chat. Write us in the comments. Let us know what you think. Yeah. But without further ado, let's let's dive into our second mystery. Hell friggin' yeah. Let us, let us, let us pray. <laughs> that's all I wanted to say. Roll it. The War of Wrath. The 42-year-long conflict between Morgoth and the gods themselves has just concluded. The land of Beleriand is in turmoil. The war has destroyed everything, and all its people are scattered. With the overthrow of Morgoth, The Silmarils were taken from the Iron Crown and given to Aonwe to be kept safe. But the two remaining sons of Feanor, Maedros and Maglor, have also survived. They hear of the Silmarils being kept in the safe keeping of Aonwe, and they intend to fulfill their father's terrible oath. They know that this may be their final end, but the oath must be fulfilled. Maedros and Maglor go to Aonwe and demand the return of the Silmarils. But Aonwe refuses. They have done great evil in the name of their oath, Aonwe says, and claim to the Silmarils is theirs no longer. The brothers are weary of their oath. They do not wish to spill more blood, but 
they have no other choice. Maedros and Maeglor snuck into the place where the Silmarils were kept, and there they slew the guards and fulfilled that terrible oath. Even though they had now taken their prize, the camp was roused, and they were caught. But Ayanwe lets them leave, not wishing to spill more blood, and the brothers each take one of the Silmarils. But they are dismayed to find that they cannot even touch them now. The Silmarils burn in their hands like fire. Maedros and Maglor had been corrupted by their evil deeds. Having fulfilled their oath, but now unable to bear the touch of the jewels, the brothers fell into despair. Maedros cast himself and his jewel into a fiery chasm that had opened in the earth, ending his life. Maglor, though, was filled with grief, and he cast his blazing hot jewel into the great sea, and it was never seen again. Maglor survived, but passed into legend. He comes not into any more tales in the legendarium. It is said by some that he wanders the shore still, singing lamentation. If this is true, where is Maglor now? Does he wander the shores to this very day? Did he ever eventually settle somewhere and lead a quiet life of regret? We may never know. The whereabouts of Maglor, son of Feanor, will for now remain a Tolkien mystery. Wow, that was a cool one. Maglor. Yeah, Maglor, the second eldest son of Feanor, right? Yeah, the number number two, as it were. Number two, always number <laughs> always two. Always a number two. Shit, he's even the second bit. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. he's number, we number twoed him as well. <laughs> he's number two, like Bono. Yeah. Well, should we tell everybody what we know about Maglor? Yeah, let's kind of break this down a little bit. So, Maglor, second son of Feanor, and uh, Nerdanel. 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 Also fun word. Uh, he was the greatest poet and minstrel of the Noldor and was said to have inherited more of his mother's gentler temperament. Right. Because Feanor, known dickhead. <laughs> yeah, he's not the, uh, what, how, how do I want to put this? He's not the uh, s- most soft-spoken person. No, that is uh, not the case. Um, yeah, Majors, uh, or excuse me, Maglor actually... Wrote after the kinsling at El Colanda, he wrote a poem about how sad and regretful mm-hmm. he was. And I think it was called like the Fall of the Naldor or something like that. Uh, the translation is which is very funny. So this guy had uh, he was penitent. Yeah, he clearly had a conscience. He had a conscience. Him and Majros tend to be the two that have at least some conflict yeah. over the evil shit that they do. Mm-hmm. Not that they don't do evil shit, but they're the only ones that tend to show remorse. Yes. So after the War of Wrath, Maglor and Majros, they learned that Aeonwe was keeping the remaining two Silmarils, and they demanded that the Silmarils be returned back to them, but as we know, Aeonwe refused, 
And we have a excerpt here from the Quintus Silmarillion, chapter 24, of The Voyage of Eärendil and the War of Wrath, read by Danny. But Ianwe answered that the right to the work of their father, which the sons of Fëanor formerly possessed, had now perished, because of their many and merciless deeds, being blinded by their oath, and most of all because of the slaying of Dior and the assault upon the havens. Yeah, that's really only uh, a select few of the war crimes they helped commit. Those are the greatest hits, as it were. So, is there a reason why they had to take the evilest possible path? Like, I know they have the oath, but is there, like... Yeah, there's. it's called diplomacy, man. I, I don't know <laughs> what else to say. Like, I guess they could have tried talking their way out. Like, I don't I don't know. Like, there's... Were they just refused at every turn, and they're like, well, I guess we have to kill you. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to kill all of you. Sorry. Yeah, I think... We have to. I think <laughs> killing is in the oath, isn't it? They'll kill whatsoever yes. man, elf, uh, or Man, elf, demon, not- or yet man unborn. Yet unborn. Yeah. yeah. I was just reading that to my girlfriend's son earlier. I was like, "You want to hear something?" Because I've been reading him The Hobbit, yeah. and I was like, uh, I, "And uh, I was like, you want to hear something from the Silmarillion?" He's like, "What's that?" And I'm like, "It's like the Middle Earth Bible." And I read that part to him, and he was just like, "Okay, that's cool." And I was Pretty like, cool. "We'll get there. We'll get there, kid. <laughs> we'll get one step at a time." Buddy. So we'll get there. This this is uh, an evil oath, then. Oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like it's oh, not yeah. the elves. It's not necessarily right. Can I say it's not? Uh, it's not their fault, <laughs> but it's kind of. Uh, so, I mean, they still choose to take the oath. I guess. Yeah, so I mean, sort of is their fault. They're bound by the oath. They, they literally, to take. when they take the oath, Trevor, they literally jump up in the air, pull out their swords, and go to their father's side and swear before Manway to all of this shit that they'll kill anybody who gets in their way of taking a Silmaril. That's mm-hmm. just that's just an evil oath. Yeah, it sucks. Evil possessed them when they made that oath. What's even shittier is that Feanor, before he died, could have released them from the oath, <laughs> but he fucking died and just didn't say anything. Right, right so, before the end. Well, in no, fact, he, he doubled down. He doubled down and asked them to fulfill the oath. Yeah, like renew their oath. Yeah, and then died. That guy really is an asshole. He, he is. is. He's God an God damn. Yeah. Even yeah. to the very end, Feanor is a piece of shit. His dying breath, like. I love him, though. I love Fanor. He's God, so, he's so cool, but he's such an asshole. Yeah, he's <laughs> a hell of a character. That's yeah, for sure. I fucking love Fanor. So Maglor. So Maglor and his last surviving brother, Madros, they had stolen the two remaining Silmarils that the Valar had retrieved from Morgoth. Mm-hmm. But Maglor, he intentionally tried to dissuade his older brother from doing this act. He was kind of, I don't know, I think he was starting to get tired of all the bloodshed mm. but ultimately uh, Maglor was convinced by his brother that they must do it to fulfill their oath yeah he kind of loses the argument that um they have there he's like you know we could go about this a different way and then he's just like no we have to kill them uh yeah we got a little excerpt from the Quintus Silmarillion uh of the voyage of Eärendil and the war of wrath that's chapter 22 of the Silmarillion it is uh, read by Joel then Maglor desired to indeed submit, for his heart was sorrowful, and he said, The oath says not that we may not bide our time, and it may be that in Valinor all shall be forgiven and forgot, and we shall come into our own in peace. Yeah, Feanor and um, fucking uh, Maedros is just like, nah, bruh. Nah, nah, let's go kill some people. Let's go kill more people. I was just thinking, like, before you started reading that, did the oath state that they had to do this, like, as quickly as possible? No, no. it never did. Could, and could that, was, that, was and, like, wait? that was Maglor's fucking argument. He's like, it never said that we had to do this, like, right away. Yeah, like, let's go have some fun. Let's hit the bar. Like, Yeah, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> yeah dude, why not? 
Well, because of all the evil deeds committed by these brothers to fulfill this oath, Silmarils burn their hands. Yeah, they're evil now, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Unfit to touch them jewels. Just lit, lit on fire? Well, not really, but like... You think if they held on to it long enough, they would light on fire? Well, Melkor's hands are actually burned black from mm-hmm. holding on to them. One of his names, Bauglier, actually means black hand. Yeah. yeah. Morgoth Bauglier. Morgoth so maybe you, wouldn't, maybe you wouldn't ignite, but it would eventually kind of like... Burn its way through. I mean, it would burn the fuck out of you. It didn't burn its way out of Karkaroth's stomach, but it burned the shit out of the inside of it. That's Mm -hmm. for sure. You might say it kind of smolders. It smolders. Smolders. Maybe not open flame. It smolders. Yeah. Well, Maglor could not bear this problem, and so he cast a similar into the sea. Yeah. Just see you later. And forever afterwards, as far as we know, he wandered along the shores of the world, singing laments over the loss of the Silmaril. Until he faded from memory. Yeah. However, the circumstances and date of his death, if it ever happened at all, because he is immortal, are unknown. And we've got a excerpt from Quintus Silmarillion, uh, same chapter, of The Voyage of Eärendil and The War of Wrath, um, read by our boy Trilldog. And it is told of Maglor that he could not endure the pain with which the Silmaril tormented him. And he cast it at last into the sea. And thereafter, he wandered upon the shores, singing in pain and regret beside the waves. For Maglor was mighty among the singers of old, named only after Daron of Doriath. But he came never back among the people of the elves. Where did he go? Yeah, where did he go? Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you go? Maglor ho. <laughs> Maglor ho. <laughs> Wow. But yeah, I mean, nobody, it's not said where what ultimately happened to him. But again, we have some theories. Yes, we we, we definitely <laughs> some, have some theories. Some of our own. Let's jump into some KOT theories. Yeah. I mean, personally, the one I like the most is that he still wanders the shores to this day, just lamenting and sadness and song. It just seems so, I don't know, poetically sad and appropriate for his character and all the war crimes he committed. Yes, yes. I hope he's uh, staying hydrated. That much, like, crying would, would really get to you. I mean, he's by seawater, so I don't imagine he's drinking that. I don't know. Yeah. Can elves die of dehydration? I'm not sure they can. Uh, we, we haven't answered this question. Remember we asked if elves can starve to death? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. that was up for debate, at least amongst uh, K.O.T., yeah, so if anybody knows for sure if you can deprive an elf of water and food until it dies, let us know. Well, I would like to personally think uh, that he goes from beach to beach uh, around Middle Earth, just soliciting his oath to people, just like reminding them of what happened. Yeah. You know, like like uh, if you're outside of a concert, those people are just trying to hand you their CDs. Oh, yeah, They're yeah, They're just yeah. like, here you, here, go. here you go, man, check it out. This is what happened. This is history. Yeah. So that- let me play you my song. Well, what do you think, Danny? Well, I think he still lives to this day. I don't think he, like, I don't think he unalived himself or anything like that, like, you know, Majros. But I think, like, he's around to this day, maybe even. And he probably um, made his way to Argentina with all the other war criminals, I think. I think it's a, that's not a, that's not a yeah, bad, he, it's not a bad theory. He's living in Buenos Aires. Seems to be a place where a lot of those folks uh, tend to go after their careers have uh, <laughs> wrapped up. <laughs> yeah. Historically speaking. Historically speaking. You know, but yeah, that's all for our theories of what happened to Maglor. Uh, let us know if you guys have any more, you know? Yeah. Any fun theories you guys have out there? Leave a comment or hit us up on Discord. Let us know what you think. What happened to Maglor? Yeah. Where is Maglor. Where did he come from? Where did he go? 
Where did you go, Maglor? Oh. <laughs> okay, final mystery coming up. Ready? Let's dive right in, friends. Roll it. The end of the first age was the most cataclysmic time in the long history of Middle-earth. The 42-year-long conflict saw the gods themselves join the struggle to overthrow Morgoth once and for all. Eventually, they were victorious, and Morgoth was overthrown. But the battle left the continent of Beleriand completely destroyed, sinking it into the very sea. With the downfall of Melkor, you might think that evil had been banished from the world altogether. You would be dead wrong. Sauron, one of Morgoth's greatest servants, was preparing to continue his master's evil work. Sauron began to secretly corrupt the men of Middle-earth in the east and south. There, his power and influence grew great. He prepared for an assault on the free peoples of Middle-earth. The Valar were dismayed by this emergence of the second Dark Lord. It was time for them to get involved. They decided to send some of their mightiest servants to disrupt Sauron's vie for dominance in Middle-earth. Much is known about three of their servants. Gandalf the Grey, Sauron the White, and Radagast the Brown all play significant parts in the struggle against Sauron. But what of the other two? Little is known about the two blue wizards. The Dark Slayer and East Helper were sent to the far reaches of the East and South. There, for many years, they led the resistance against Sauron. Those who would oppose Sauron were gathered to them. Though their labors are not well documented, they were nevertheless important and would prove to be very significant. The work of Morinatar and Romestamo played a key role in reducing the amount of support for Sauron in the east and south. Significant as their work was, they would eventually fade away into legend. After the fall of Sauron at the end of the Third Age, the Blue Wizards would not only never return to their home in the Blessed Realm, they would never be heard from again. What happened to these Blue Wizards? Did they perish in their task? Do they labor still, waiting for the re-emergence of evil in Middle-earth? The truth is that we may never know. The fate of the Blue Wizards is now and will forever remain a Tolkien mystery. Fuck yes, the Blue Wizards. Gotta love them. I think the Blue Wizards are likely one of my favorite Tolkien mysteries. 
Same. I fucking love the Blue Wizards. They're they're so cool, especially because we learned. Because remember, we used to shit on them in the early days of the podcast. We were like worthless fucking Blue Wizards. Yeah, they didn't do anything. And then when we started to dive into shit like the History of Middle Earth series and stuff like that for research, um, we found these these two little things we're pretty much about to read to you. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we I thought that it was, it was super cool, and I love this mystery ever since. Yeah, they are much more important than we had previously thought. Yeah. And I think at one point we even had to like give out an apology. We or did in one of the episodes. <laughs> yeah. We issued an apology to them. We shafted them hard. Mm-hmm. Shafted. shafted by KOT. Shafted. That doesn't happen often. Yeah. The the only other one we did that to was Aristor. Oh yeah. We have a shafted from being shafted <laughs> award, and that was shafted Aristor. from being shafted. Yeah. There's a whole lore going behind the shafted shit now. I really enjoy their names too. They've they've cool names for wizards. They do. They've actually got more names than I had previously thought. So let's get into that a little bit. So just some uh, information on the Blue Wizards. So as we know, there were five wizards who went to Middle-earth, and two of these were clad in sea blue. And Tolkien changed their names multiple times throughout his different revisions. As we all know, he has Tolkien almost always has multiple versions of all of his stories due oh, to his yeah. different revisions. Yep. In the earlier writings, they were called Alatar, which means Radiance Lord. And Palando, which means farfarer. And then in a slightly later version, they were called Palisendo, the far-sighted one, and Hymenar, the farfarer. Now, those were the two I don't think I had ever heard before. Hymenar, you say, huh? Yep, Hymenar. Nice, nice. Well, yeah, they were finally called uh, Morinitar and Romastamo, uh, which is Darkness Slayer and East Helper, which you heard in the... Uh, in the uh, bit there. I think those are definitely the coolest versions of the names oh, yeah. they were given. Marinitar? Yeah, that's fucking Darkness Slayer? What? Yeah, Darkness Slayer? Darkness, it's way better than Radiance Lord. Yeah, yeah. dude, yeah, fuck that. Radiance Lord? No, let's go with Darkness Slayer. <laughs> yeah, what <laughs> the <laughs> hell? What was this guy actually like that you could call him both of those things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A badass? Yeah. They got nothing else. Collectively, they're known as the Ithrune Luin? Ithrun Lewin? Ithrin Lewin? What do you think? Ithrin. 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 Ithrin Lewin. Which means the Blue Wizards. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah, and also in earlier versions of the Legendarium, the uh, Valar Orome um, had chosen Alatar to send to Middle-earth to contest the will of Sauron. And uh, Alatar decided to bring along uh, his his homie, uh, Palando, as as his companion. He's like, well, if I'm going... Let me bring my friend. Let me bring my homie. He's bring good at this shit too. Which is funny because like it seems like by their names, like one of them is uh, we were saying earlier when we were uh, when we were, were um, reviewing. Uh, one of them sounds like a badass motherfucker, and the other one sounds like a diplomat. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, East helper, the diplomat, and, and then darkness slayer. Darkness. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely like the hammer. It's good cop, bad cop. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. When, when your way doesn't work, I kill him. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly how. That's exactly how I am. Just like it darkness goes. slayer is just like we done talking now. Yeah, just he's, ready just, with he's just standing in yeah. back with like some evil instrument, like a hammer or a no, sword or a. I hope his fucking staff looks like those like cartoon caveman clubs on the top. It's like it's real fucking oh. big. Like it's <laughs> just, just like he's about to beat someone. It's just beat media at the end. You know. You, you, you could get beat his ass, beat somebody's ass with it if you had to. I would not want to have to fight Darkness Slayer. No, no. So Christopher Tolkien himself uh, actually speculated that their association with the Valar Orome could have been because Orome was the Valar who had the greatest knowledge of the far regions of Middle Earth. He used to hunt all over Middle Earth, all over the place. 
Hence why Orome would have been the one giving this advice uh, for the for where these these two particular wizards for these yeah. wizards where they ultimately ended up journeying in the mm-hmm. east and south. It's funny because like he must have been all over the place because remember Orome is the one that found the elves at Quivienen. Right, he's Just, the, he's the one that finds everybody. He gets around, dude. Orome is everywhere. He goes further than the Numenorians, and that's fucking saying something. That is saying something. He yeah that that's a feat because the Numenorians went everywhere. Oh yeah. Well, here's a fun fact. The Blue Wizards arrived in Middle-earth during the Second Age, which is much earlier than the other wizards. Interesting, right? Yeah, because the other wizards came in the Third Age, early Third Age. Yeah, you kind of associate them all together, but it's like, they didn't come at the same time. Not these guys. Maybe they had a pretty important task to get to out east. Yeah, dude. So, essentially, yeah, they came not in the Third, but in the Second Age, around the Second Age 1600, just about the same time that Glorfindel was reincarnated and came back as well uh wasn't 1600 the year that the ring was forged too i think right it's a pretty important year it sounds like it was either 1600 or 1601 i think but yeah it was around the same time the ring was forged um the wizards they journeyed uh to the far east and and far south and tolkien states that they played a decisive role in the downfall of sauron at the end of both the second and third ages yeah dude and we've got a excerpt here from the nature of middle earth read by danny His gathering of armies had not been unopposed, and his success had been much less than his hope. But this is a matter spoken of in the notes on the Five Wizards. He had powerful enemies behind his back, in the east and southern lands, to which he had not yet given sufficient thought. Yeah, Nature of Middle-Earth. Kick ass, right? Yeah, I still got to read through that whole book, but it, we've pulled some really interesting information. Yeah, I haven't there. read it cover to cover either, but I have cherry picked, uh, I think, a decent amount of stuff from it at this juncture. Well, during the early Third Age and until the end of the Watchful Peace, they uh, two blue wizards were tasked with finding where Sauron dwelt, and they failed. Yeah, yeah <laughs> as we know, because Sauron comes back. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Whoops. However, they were successful in preventing the forces of the East and South from outnumbering those of the free peoples in the West. Heck yeah, they did. Uh, what do you call that? Uh, damage control. That's what they're doing <laughs> yeah. out there in the East and South. We have an excerpt uh, from the History of Middle-Earth, Volume 12, The Five Wizards, read by Joel. But the other two Astari were sent for a different purpose. Morenitar and Romastamo, Darkness Slayer and East Helper. Their task was to circumvent Sauron, to bring help to the few tribes of men that had rebelled from Melkor worship, to stir up rebellion, and after his first fall, to search out his hiding, in which they failed, and to cause dissension and disarray among the Dark East. They must have had a very great influence on the history of the Second and Third Age in weakening and disarraying the forces of the East, who would both, in the Second and Third Age, Otherwise, have outnumbered the West. Yeah, if that doesn't drive it home for y'all, like how important these guys were, like holy shit, right? Yeah, they would have been outnumbered. Yeah, every we would have been just fucked from the start on every single battle of the Second and Third Age, which is a lot. That's that's the War of the Elves and Sauron. That's the Last Alliance, the War of the Ring, all the big decisive <laughs> yeah. battles with Sauron. Yeah, Battle of the Five Armies, a loss. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, even, I always Bilbo forget a, killed. Yeah. I always forget about that one. Yeah, <laughs> Bilbo dead. Oh shit! <laughs> Thranduil of the Elven dead. <laughs> dead. All thirteen dwarfs dead. King, Gandalf dead. Dane two Ironfoot dead. Everybody. 
<laughs> the Hobbit ends a lot differently if the Blue Wizards fucked up. <laughs> I imagine them just like coming back from the from the east and being like, what the seeing f- seeing all the shit that happened, and be like, oh, oh uh, shit. Yeah, they come back. They're like token on a joint or something. Yeah, like, hey guys, we found had a oh, good time out. Oh, oh no, dude. Oh shit. We should have tried harder. <laughs> Well, that's about all that is known in canon about yeah. the uh, two blue wizards, but there are some theories. Yes. Let's get into the what we call the failure theory, right? And this is a theory that's mentioned in earlier versions of, of the text. Mm-hmm. And the, it speculates that the wizards failed and straight up uh, became servants of Sauron. Which I kind of... It's kind of fucked. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, a letter from 1958 has Tolkien speculating on this theory, which is really funny because in this letter, it feels like he's talking about the legendarium as if he didn't write it, which is super right, funny. Yeah. He's speculating on, on his own work. His own works as if he doesn't know. Yeah, it's super fucking funny. And uh, Trevor's going to read it from you. It's from letter 211 of the letters of J.R.R. Tolkien. I really do not know anything clearly about the other two wizards since they do not concern the history of the Northwest. I think they went as emissaries to distant regions, east and south, far out of Numenorean range, missionaries to enemy-occupied lands, as it were. What success they had, I do not know, but I fear that they failed, as Saruman did, though doubtless in different ways, and I suspect that they were founders or beginners of secret cults and magic traditions that outlasted the fall of Sauron. Wait, what the fuck? Are yeah, you that, kidding me? That last sentence also very cool. Not, yeah, like if they like in in this potential that Tolkien's throwing out there, not only did they they fail, but they started cults that were stronger and lasted longer yeah. than Sauron, more enduring than Sauron. They became the third and fourth Dark Lords. R- yeah, what the fuck? The co-Dark Lord. I want to hear more about that. Yeah, I love and I love just like I said how he's talking about it. Like he doesn't fucking know. Yeah, like he doesn't know. It's like, like hey, I, if you don't know, think about it for a little bit and like, make I, some I, shit up, dude. I really don't know anything clearly about the two wizards. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Well, let's get into some of our KOT theories, as yeah. it were. Here we go. Trev. So, I am totally cool with them failing and becoming evil, mm-hmm. but I think that it would be more fun if they had turned on each other. So, these oh. cults these cults and secret sects of magic would be opposing religions? Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're opposing religions. Like, oh. uh, like we have the religion of Azure and the religion of Sapphire, and they're just, they're just <laughs> going at each other. Yeah, just like both different shades of blue, but you know, you're still the blue. You know, still the blue. You're just trying to be the only one blue is is the right blue though. There is only one. Yeah, there can be only one blue only wizard. One. Yeah, and that's you know honestly that's probably the reason why the forces of of the east are kept at bay is because they're all too busy fighting amongst themselves. So you think <laughs> you think that they went over there and inadvertently started a civil war? But not with the purpose of disrupting Sauron, but ending up doing it anyway. Right, because they're selfish and form cults. Cool. Yeah. I, I like that theory. It's like a Coen Brothers movie or something. I love that shit. I actually really dig that theory because that kind of takes the two versions of their tale. Like, there's the earlier <laughs> version. Reconciles yeah, them. there's the, there's the earlier version where they failed at everything they did and they turned evil. And then there's the later version where they did good and they had some significant effect on dulling the numbers out east. Mm-hmm. This combines those it two It combines theories. those two. They fell and they dulled the numbers because they were fighting each other. Yeah. Porque no los dos, Trevor? 
That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, another fantastic Tolkieneering from Trevor. Thank yeah, you. way Thank to you. go, Trev. You're earning your pay. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the theory I had was. What if these two actually uh, ended up falling in love and they just decided they wanted to move further south and leave the turmoil of Middle-earth's politics behind? Maybe that's why they did. Maybe they wanted to disappear. So this is like um, Brokeback Mountain without such a sad ending, basically, yeah. is what you're saying. Yep, yeah, if they, if they decided <laughs> to leave everything and go off and live on their own yeah. and ignore it all. It's so funny. It reminds me of, I, I saw this thing one time about these two gay conversion counselors that had like a gay cam- conversion camp together. Okay. And they like, uh, one day like decided that they were in love and they just stopped doing that and then just became like gay couple. Is this a real story? Yeah. It really I was gonna, It sounds <laughs> yeah. like a real story. Yeah. I think it's probably happened more than once. I'm imagining, right? I don't, gay conversion camps are really good for two things. Giving people life-ending depression or solidifying their gain is tenfold. <laughs> yeah, there like, you go. Or both, really. I mean, or both. I, yeah. I, I guess. Yeah. Fuck that. All that shit. Fuck all that shit. But yeah, I love your Brokeback Mountain ending. I love it. <laughs> thank you. Thank it. you. A little, a little positivity thrown in there. Yeah. They, they, they just get over there. They're like, fuck this. Yeah. They're like, fuck all <laughs> this. All we want is to be with each other. And they fell in love. Ooh. And they went. Maybe they went off to the. I don't know that that far sea out east. Uh, what was that inland sea? Elgar. I think the Hell Sea yeah. of Rune. Oh, Sea of Rune. That, are you thinking that one? Okay, yeah. Why not? I mean, they were they were blue wizards. I think it would make sense if they settled somewhere wet. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, mine's a little bit more um, optimistic. Mine is that they are they ride so fucking hard for the Valar, and they are the the coolest fucking servants ever. That when they hear of the downfall of Sauron, they're like, you know what? We thought when we killed when we got Melkor the first time, we thought it was over. And now, maybe we think it's over again and it ain't. So we better stay out here and oh. hold down the fort, keep up the good fight, waiting for the next Dark Lord. So you're thinking maybe we don't hear much from them because they're just busy working, heads down, like they're biting, doing the good work. They're biding their motherfucking time. They're, they're going to they're gonna emerge and lead the rebellion in the East and South against whatever evil comes next. You know, we do know from some of Tolkien's abandoned writings that there was going to be that the reemergence of like the cult of Morgoth. The cult of Morgoth, yeah. What if the saving grace was the two wizards coming Yo. out of the East against the cult? Yo, why didn't Rings of Power hire us to write for what that show? What the fuck? You want to make up your own, your you own lore? Let us help you a little bit. Make yeah. some good lore. Yeah, you fucked up, you know? Are you guys familiar with the game Civilization? Yes, yeah, Civ, yeah. Okay. So I like to think that uh, they're actually over there and like we don't hear anything about them. And then all of a sudden they're going to come out of the fog with like guns and shit. Like they just got super technologically advanced over there and they're yeah. like, bring me your Dark Lord. Yeah. That'd be so fucking funny. That'd be pretty Where badass. <laughs> we have the technology now. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be so fucking funny. All right, guys. Well, that is all for Tolkien Mysteries Part 2. Or Episode 2, I should say, rather. Yeah. Um. Yeah, hopefully you like this shit, because we had so much fun doing this. It, these are honestly one of our new favorite things. Yeah. It's I fun. Mean, it's very fun. I like performing in that deep voice. Yeah, it's very, uh, these are, they're weird, they're fun episodes to write, and they're fun episodes to perform, and, um... They're also fun to listen to. Yeah, they're fun. I've, At least we hope you think that. We hope that you think we that. We think that. Yeah. We for think sure. That. <laughs> yeah, and it, it also, um, shout out to our editor, Rubru, because I know he's gonna do a bang-up job on making this sound as awesome as episode one. Hell yeah. Yeah. Thanks, bud. Hell yeah. Well, that's about 
all we've got for you today for today's mysteries. Don't forget to tune in next week for our season seven season finale, our uh, episode 95. It's going to be our holiday special for the year 2023. Ooh, the holiday special. The holiday special. Yeah, my liver is already aching. Yeah, prepare your livers. We're going to have a holiday special, boys. And if you guys have listened to any of our past holiday specials, you know these are pretty fun. I okay. I'm. I'll tell you all right now. I'm not going to get as drunk as last year. <laughs> last year was like the on the very precariously placed on the edge of being a disaster <laughs> because of my drunkenness. You you held in there, man. You you held up good. I I hope to get either to that level or less. <laughs> That's let's shoot, my goal. Let's shoot for less. Let's yeah. shoot for less. Yeah. <laughs> but at worst, that level. You know what I'm saying, Trev? Yeah. Well, I'm excited for this one in particular because I get to answer questions. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a, a little bit of a change. It's going to be like it's kind of the same format, but rather than asking the questions, Trevor's going to be getting drunk with us and answering questions. Yeah. And we're, uh, we're getting our homie uh, Joe Vasky back on, and uh, he's curating all the. Uh, he and um, and Trev's sister, Virginia, are they're, they're curating all the questions on our Discord. As we speak. As we speak. Um, I don't know if that'll still be open by the time this episode comes out. Probably not. Sorry. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a fun time. We're excited to answer your questions. Yes. So tune in and have fun with us. Yes. But that's all, guys. Thanks for listening to KOT Podcast. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Stay up to date on new episodes. And please rate us or give us a nice review if you like us. And as always, a big, big thank you to our patrons on Patreon. Subscribing on Patreon not only supports us, but can also bring you some exclusive Patreon content. So go check it out. That's www.patreon.com forward slash KOT podcast. And of course, we also accept private one-time donations if that's more your speed. We have PayPal and other services, so just connect with us on your favorite social media and we'll make something happen. We appreciate anything you're willing to offer. Definitely check us out on our social media platforms like we talked about our Discord where we're getting all the questions for our holiday special. If you want to make it in time next year for those questions, you know where to go. You know where to go now and where to just hang out forevermore because it's a really fun place to hang out. I I, I check it regularly. Um, uh, We're all on there. so We're all Discord junkies. Yeah, we are all kind of Discord junkies. During the plague, that was how our friend group uh, stayed together. I think Mm. think the plague's definitely solidified Discord's place in society. in, yeah. Well, at least in our culture, our oh, friend culture. In a lot yeah. of people's In lives. a lot of people's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, in a lot of people, too. We'll have a link for our Discord in the description, so definitely yes. come hang out with us. Please do. We're also on TikTok at keep underscore on underscore Tolkien underscore podcast. You can find us on X, formerly Twitter, at KOT podcast. We're on Facebook at official keep on Tolkien. And we're also on Instagram at keep on Tolkien podcast. We also have a merch store on T-Mill. Uh, you can find us at keep-on-tolkien-podcast.tmill.com. We've got some cool stuff on there, uh, like our shafted shirts. And, I mean, there's all different kinds of things with our logo and whatnot. Yeah, so if you want to rip some KOT. And stickers and Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Go get it. Yeah, if you want to put some of those stickers all up around Bismarck, North Dakota which just became our number one city. Thank you, Bismarck. Bismarck. Thank you. Or, yeah, if you if you guys are from Bismarck, hit us up on the Discord. I want to talk to you guys because you guys are pretty <laughs> close to us, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, probably the closest in proximity. Yeah, one of them. Uh, but yeah, let's, uh, let's sign off for the night. I'm Danny J. And I'm Joel N. I'm Trevor D. And we are Keep, Keep on Talking. Our Ray. And Tulu.
did the mystery voice. It felt very mysterious. Thanks, dude. <laughs> I think it's more spooky, but that's cool, Trev. Yep. <laughs>